The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Analyze This here on your NPR station in the U.S. Virgin Islands. There we go. WTJX FM 93.1 with yours truly, Neville James. It's a beautiful day in paradise. Even though we had a, um, a power outage there, kind of kick us a little sideways, but you know how we do. How we do my coat. Um, making things work. Good job. Right, let's show it Keep the island fresh and all that stuff. Uh, got Popery this morning. We're going to be talking with a number of different folks. Um, Rocky Labor can be coming in to tell us about something we forgot to mention yesterday. Some housing de- housing development taking place uh, over there on St. John, as well as uh, tomorrow night, the president uh, um, getting ready to deliver uh, the State of the Union. Now we're going to be talking with. Um, but before that, we're going to talk with Assistant Commissioner Victor Sum. Um, reached out to him on short notice. He's going to make himself available in a couple of minutes, around 8, 10. Looks like they're making some rounds um, over there on on the rock. So we're going to talk to him about the bottom of the hour, then pick up Rocky. And then um, the election system, they um, are going to, they're celebrating the 60th anniversary this month. And uh, we're going to be talking about that. they got a number of different things uh, going on there. So, um, uh, Raymer Williams is going to be joining us uh, in the, about 9.20. So, we got a Kalalu this morning. Remember, I had to um, let Mr. Um, Andy Smith know about it. He used the term hodgepodge. I said, no, 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 no not, not in these parts. Yeah. Kalalu. So, uh, all that stuff, of course, we got Kalalu this morning because I got to... Uh, my fan went down. I had my fan on last day for the first time in a while. And the fan went down this man. I said, only man in issues. Then I got a text message from um, one of my um, supporters, audience. You know, hooked me up with the, with the, um, with the press release. And apparently, uh, Justin Croy, please be advised of a major electrical service interruption affecting all customers in the St. Croix district. Following the loss of generation capacity at the Estate Richmond Power Plant, plant personnel are actively working to restore service to all feeders as quickly as possible. Thank you for your patience. And um, my, our power came back on in about, I'd say, uh, maybe 20, 25 minutes. We don't feed a nine. I think it's nine A or nine B. So um, we are. Uh, we deal. We deal with it, you know I mean? And uh, these are things we were talking about yesterday, where um, it isn't just about um, you know putting in place the, the infrastructure. <clears throat> you know, we got we got work on a number of different things. 
you know, because we brag about our ability to walk and chew gum at the same time and all that good stuff. But we could do it. And um, matter of fact, the conversation that we had, um, Rocky Labor asked me to send him the the, uh, the infrastructure bill, so I had to download that and send it to Rocky. Um, because there's a lot, there's money out there, man. You know, and and the beauty of living in a small jurisdiction like the Virgin Islands is that it don't take a lot of money to address our infrastructure needs. It really doesn't, comparatively speaking. You know what I'm saying? Now, the flip cost is that because we're a small community, we can't spread the cost of services around as easier or cost beneficial as it would if you live in like a New York City. You know what I'm saying? Um, more customers you have, the, 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 the more people paying into whatever, you know, you're paying for, it's less per person. You know what I'm saying? Now if it's you alone, or you are just two or three people, then I'll go burden that cost then. You know what I'm saying? Like if something costs $3 million and you got three people, right? If a service costs $3 million and you got three people to provide a service for everybody go pop a mill, right? If you got 30, everybody pop 100,000, right? You got 300, right? Everybody, everybody go pop 10,000. Just like that. This is math. You know what I'm saying? Just keep keep adding that number. You know what I'm saying? And the the more the more you add, the less it costs. Don't let people get you into thinking it's 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 complicated beyond comprehension. It's not. Check logic. Okay? Just let the logic and, and, and your behavior and the math agree. And you're gonna be alright. Check. I could have gone on there. You know what I mean? To get to the point where that cost everybody ten the, the dollar, the dollar figure would have gotten to ten dollars. But we ain't gonna go there. You know what I mean? You got plenty of time for that later today. Now, um, I also reached out last night. I don't know if she uh, got the text message. Maybe one of her listen, one of her folks are listening. I reached out to um, Dr. Ellis because we've turned a corner. Uh, actives are not down to 108 territory wide. And I was out, I also reached out to um, but he probably was busy Richie Mota because I'm, I'm sure they had the press briefing the Monday press briefing yesterday. I believe they did. And it's it's good to see that um, as as expected, you know, we're working our way back uh, to a reasonable number. You know, when you get up to the high two hundreds, close to three hundred, you get a little nervous because you don't know about uh, spreadability and how long you'll last. But the curve has bended back, you know, towards under 100, and we're at 108 now after yesterday. Had a good sample, even though it was a little, you know, you know what I mean? But of the 490, 465 um, people tested, tested negative. So let me do the math. Me, just to keep the public honest, you know, 465 divided into 490. That's a 94.8%, 8.9, so 94.9%. Negativity rate, right? So 
a 5.1% positivity rate. We could live with that. We definitely could live with that. Eh? You know what I'm saying? So, um, we're heading in the right direction. Of course, a little concern with next week. Next weekend. Um, hold on there. One of my people let me talk to me and I forget to. You know what I mean? Um, you know, the fear coming up, people going to congregate. So, you're going to see a mini spike again. That's just how it is. But after that, we should be good until Easter. Whenever Easter is, okay, you know, people are going to congregate for Easter and all that stuff. But we're going to be okay. <clears throat> Nationally, 10%. Right? Yeah, we announced that yesterday, right? Um, yeah, we hit 10% yesterday. Uh, hospitalizations at 30,035. Right? We're waiting to get a number under. Under under 30,000. I, I, I just feeling good for 2023 with, with, with how we're going to manage the pandemic and all that stuff. Of course, things could change and a dying, but you know, I'm just, I just got a good feeling about that. You know what I'm saying? ICU patients at 3,787, 454 deaths a day. Go check. So, um, I always keep an eye on that. Marketplace, I was reading something yesterday. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, the, the, the Fed, the, the Fed uh, chairman, uh, Powell, uh, his Remarks yesterday were not well received, you know, kind of conflicting. But we'll get into that a little later this week. Right, but yesterday we're kind of flat. That was down thirty-four point nine nine points, a tenth of a percent. Twelve of the thir- of the thirty blue chip stocks are gains. Nasdaq down a percent. S and P down three fifths of a percent. Russell down one point four eight percent. That's what we had. So we should be getting a phone call from our assistant commissioner, uh, Victor Sum. Uh, anytime now to let us know how things are going. I know they're making some wrongs. And uh, we are uh, looking forward to that. Uh, so you go hook us. So like I said, we got a little call today. And then Rocky going to follow up. Take me into about a 9.20 part, 9.20 mark at the uh, second hour. And then we should be hearing from Raymond Williams as well. I might even hold Rocky on a little longer than that. A couple of things. I want to talk about. I think we have the assistant commissioner uh, on the line. Good morning, assistant commissioner. Sam, how are you? <clears throat> oh, sorry about that. There. Yeah, I thought I thought you had the thing there. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Good to hear your voice. Sorry for the short notice. That's my fault. Okay, so don't hold that against me for future. Uh, for, for future. Forgive account. me. Great congestion, so my voice may No, no, no you're good, you're good, you're coming through good. But I said, forgive me for future future conversations, future requests. I beg you, please. Um, are you making wrongs on St. Thomas today? Um, well, we are beginning in the next few minutes. Um, the commissioner and the senior leadership team are meeting with principals two weeks ago. Uh, all principals had to do presentations to the leadership team members of the legislature, the Committee on Education, members of the Board of Education, and they had to present on their data. What do their test scores look like? How many of their faculty are certified? What are their maintenance issues? What are their technology issues? How are they managing teaching and learning? So this morning, uh, we're following up with them to see if they have any questions, what has changed since the presentation, what are their plans moving forward, and to advise them that we will be doing this. The, the commissioner is calling this the state of the union or the state of schools, and we're doing this again in May. This is the first time this has ever been done. And so we're just continuing in dialogue, following up. We 
following the leave in school-based management, principals must lead. They can't rely on the superintendent. They can't rely on the commissioner. They, they're, in, they're, they're appointed to lead, and we are adamant that um, they have to lead. They have to move their school forward. They have to drive their schools toward excellence as we monitor what they're doing, as we work to help them improve student achievement. So that's what we're doing this morning. So we start at 830 with uh, the Adelita Cancroyd School, and then we get through uh, about half of the schools that did presentations, hopefully by noon. Uh, but it's just a follow-up this morning. Yeah. No, I look like I, I, I timed the call today, right? Since since since, <laughs> <laughs> since, since the time I think this is good though because I you know listening to you, the reason why you actually uh, another another reason why you're imploring them to lead is because that's where your next superintendents and assistant commissioner commissioner pool coming from for the most part, right? Yes, 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 very much so. It's ideal that they come from you know people in the senior leadership come from those ranks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, work, working, work. They work. The, you work your way through the rank. That's the best way. Cause you get a feel for 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 what is necessary at every every level. Let me ask this question. It seems like things have been seamless with with, with education because we hear nothing. Uh, you know, no news is good news. That's that's one of the reason why I I really call. They look like the return to school in January. Everything gone clear. We've been there for a month now. Everything good then. Well, we've had our our hiccups. Um, you know, we've had um, threats. We've had. Uh, Shooting threats at Woodson and um, correct, you're right, uh, right, you're right. Last week, yeah. we worked really well with um, VIPD. Uh, we really worked well with the FBI to identify individuals, whether it be students or, or individuals from outside of our community. We worked with them to identify who's making these threats because you know when these things happen, we take them seriously. And as a result of that, it really shuts down teaching and learning. You know, for example, the, the shooting threat at the complex, that shut down that, that school for a good three hours because we had identified, and we had, number one, we had to make sure that all the students, faculty, and staff were safe. So we had to go in on lockdown. And then we had to call in VIPD, and then you go through the process of trying to identify, well, where did this originate from? from? Who, you know, originated this, originated this threat? So those things disrupt teaching and learning, but we have to take them seriously because we never know when it's going to actually happen. So we, we take them seriously. But other than that, um, you know, we're preparing for the Smarter Balance Assessment. Uh, we're doing interim trials uh, this month, and then the Smarter Balance will happen in, in March. We want to get it done before April. I know that's the annual state assessment, so we're preparing to see, um, you know, how our students are doing uh, based on the national standards are they mastering um, what is being taught at a certain level? So, yeah, so things are progressing. I, I think one of the reasons you haven't heard much about education is because we've been working quietly behind the scenes. For example, yesterday, we met with the Board of Education. We invited them to meet with us to share with them what the commissioner's vision is, what the commissioner's mission is moving forward, to provide them data. They attended with members of the uh, Committee on Education, Maurice James, who... Uh, head that committee now, uh, and they were also a part uh, of that. Uh, excuse, excuse, uh, excuse, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, Senator Maurice James. Senator Maurice James. You are, you are absolutely correct, sir. Absolutely correct. <laughs> I, I signed farm senator, right? Don't I, I run the kind of for I, you. I, I, you know I, 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 I,
individually yeah. and collectively. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and and a good way to 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 identify where you're at is periodic testing. So I have uh, no problem with that. But let let me. The reason why I said things are seamless is because, and I apologize for that because I did forget about the two incidents uh, early last week. Is that we're still remember now and St. Croix in particular? You know, we coming out of the festival and we had this surge, but we hadn't hear or we hadn't heard anything re uh, relative to schools being impacted and all that. So that's why I was saying, oh, you did a good job there. We're managing uh, the pandemic and all that stuff, even though our numbers were were up there and now uh, they're starting to, you know, uh, abate and come back down, which is good. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Okay, good. Now. Um, we're, this was year two of the the early the new calendar where we start the the second yes. semester in January and that's going well. That went well. Um, we were able to end the school year by December twenty third. Mm -hmm. the, fir the first part of school year. The first part of school. The year. first part. The first semester. Yeah. Um, yeah. So report cards were distributed that week. I think Christmas was a Sunday, so they were distributed from the nineteenth. Uh, we are planning. Um, one thing about this commissioner. We're not waiting. We've already started to plan uh, the 23, 24, and 24, 25 school years. Oh, yeah? Uh, we want, nice, yeah, we, want, nice. uh, we, we don't want to. We want to get it out of the way. Um, we want to make sure that we have time to tweak where necessary. And so we've already begun um, the tedious process of looking at the calendar, working with tourism, for example, to figure out when will Carnival be in St. Thomas over the next two years so that we can factor that into the calendars for the next two school years. So, yeah, that's, that's something that my office has undertaken at the direction of the commissioner, and we're, we're, we're meeting with uh, principals and teachers to get their ideas on what the calendar should look like, especially when it comes to graduation ceremonies yeah. and final exams, yeah. uh, because just when final exams are over the secondary level, there's not much teaching and learning that's going on, and so there's, some, there's a short period where there's learning loss, and we want to rectify that. We don't want... For example, to do exams and then there's two weeks before graduation. Yeah, 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 so yeah. That's yeah, something yeah. that, that, that we one, really that need one. to take a hard and fast look at. That yeah. one kind of rough. Don't don't hang up because I know you got you got the eight thirty meeting. So we're gonna take a break right when we come back. I'm gonna let you go by at least eight twenty eight twenty five so you could transition mentally to deal with that. Because I want to ask you a question about facilities real quickly when we come back. We got Assistant Commissioner Victor Sum from the Department of Education joining us on short notice. I, I want to make the public. I want to publicly, you know. Beg their indulgence here on the air. Uh, we'll be back right after this. Parents, have you struggled with finding safe spaces for your children to meet up and learn through play and social interaction? Teen Time at the VI Children's Museum offers fun family learning for children ages 12 to 18 years old. A free program for all participants. For dates and information, 340-643-0366 or teentime at vichildrensmuseum.org. What is the secret to happiness? That's a really good question. And how can we live a more meaningful existence? Here's the secret, I think, of life. That I'm Anoush Zamarodi. Each week on NPR's TED Radio Hour, we go on a journey with TED speakers who help us answer some of life's biggest questions. Oh, wow. Yeah, let's get right to it. Join us. Saturdays at 4 p.m. 
here on WTJX FM 93.1. Welcome to the Virgin Islands. The USVI Caribbean Music Festival on St. Croix officially launches on Friday, February 17th. This is a free community event presented by the U.S. Virgin Islands Department of Tourism, curated by the United Jazz Foundation in collaboration with Jazz at Lincoln Center, and sponsored by the VI Lottery. The event runs from 6.30 to 11.30 p.m. along the waterfront promenade in Fredericksted and features Grammy Award-winning jazz vocalist Diane Reeves, Marsvin Davids, Caribbean Players of St. Croix, and Calvin Johnson and native son of New Orleans. For more information, CaribbeanMusicHeritage.org or 
difficult to traverse, difficult to navigate, especially as there's this constant change in staff at FEMA. But they're working with us as best as they can, and we are working with them very uh, steadfastly to make it happen. So new schools will come, new facilities, new state-of-the-art facilities will be available to our students and the community at large. But it's not going to happen today. So we have to work with what we have. One of the issues for all of our schools is because our schools are so old, you can't just pop in an air conditioning unit. Mm-hmm. You have to now do an electrical upgrade. It's going to cost $25 million to do an electrical upgrade of all of our schools, whether it's to put in air conditioning or to put in new um, PA systems. You know, we have some schools that have one outlet because they weren't designed for today's modern technology. They weren't designed with, you know, drops so you can connect to the Ethernet. They weren't designed with more than one or two outlets um, because nobody could envision at the time of construction that we'd have laptops for every child. So electrical upgrades are ongoing. Uh, We've identified monies from our, our APA funding as a result of covid and that will come. Our kitchens are a good example, especially on St. Croix, the St. Croix district, where it's not only an electrical upgrade, but it's a plumbing upgrade because our kitchens are, are really old. And, you know, you know, we now have the kind of kitchen uh, machinery where everything is automatic and electronic. You know, like the washing machines, for example, you have to use specific type of detergent or else they're not going to work. They all have motherboards uh, that require... <laughs> that require technology, and that's the kind of equipment. We're getting state-of-the-art equipment, but we don't have state-of-the-art facilities, so we have to do upgrades in existing facilities so that that state-of-the-art equipment can work and work well. No, and you, that's, that's coming. No, you, bring that's up, coming. you bring up an excellent point that I've been clamoring for because clamor, uh, I'm not, not clamoring for, but have been harping about in terms of, you know, how aged our schools are. I mean, our, our, youngest, our youngest elementary school is 40 years old. Ricardo, yeah. Ricardo Richards, right? And that wasn't even designed as a school. My understanding is that that was actually designed as a warehouse. Here it is. So we've taken yeah. something that wasn't even meant to be a school and turned it into a school. Yeah, that, that school has some of the, the smallest classroom spaces. Mm-hmm. So whereas in our contract with AFT, we may say that a class at elementary maxes out at 30 because those spaces are so small, we may only be able to get 20 in a classroom comfortably. Yeah, and I, that's an early 80s bill. I think that was 81 or something around there. I know we built mm-hmm. a number of schools. I know um, uh, Alfredo Andrews, Pearl B. Larson, and Alexander Henderson, they were built around the same time in, in the mid-70s. Yeah, and they have 70, the same foot plant. 70, yeah. The same foot plant in 74. And then uh, on, on the same time, I said, Bertha Shiba Shelter, you mentioned as the youngest, that came as a result of, the hurri- of Hurricane Maryland, right? Exactly. That, that was a rebuild. Mm-hmm. But I don't know of them having any 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 young any young um, elementary schools? All the schools are aged, so so there has yeah. to be a concerted effort. Um, and you bring up the, the point that's most important. And I'm gonna let you run after this is that you just spoke about it. With with modern technology, it's hard to incorporate that into these aged buildings. It just it's just physically, you know, in some instances, impossible. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Well. Good. Look. Um, do me a favor, when you talk to the commissioner, I know you had this little 15-minute discussion with me, and um, we're still waiting to have her on, and so she could okay, look like she, she hit the ground running, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we were texting while we were talking, yeah, and so she's very much aware. Yeah. Uh, she's preparing for the 
our principal debriefings that started in a few minutes, so okay. she wasn't able to join us. No, 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 no. I'm talking about a, a, a true appearance. You know, we used to do the appearances before with the previous commissioner. Yeah, yeah her on with, she, with, she with will, the leadership she will, team. She will engage. No yeah, yeah, okay. Just give, give her my cell phone number and tell her reach out to me and we go communicating on that. Okay, thanks not a lot. A, thanks a lot, Sister Commissioner. I appreciate that. And good, and good luck with the meetings today with the principals. Tell them, tell them um, you know, we, we, we support them and education is our is our fiber. And, um, yeah, no doubt. No and, doubt. And we got, we got, we had our public school systems have provide have provided is <laughs> uh, not only a service but a, ne a necessity for Virgin Islanders so that we could lead. And now uh, that's very very important. Thank you very much, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank yeah. you much. Have a good day. Good, Assistant Commissioner uh, Victor. Some um, we got a leadership meeting with with our principals, and it's um this uh. Like I mentioned, you know that's that's the next, that's the next that's that's where our pool of of leaders, you know, are coming from. You check, you know that's that's where your superintendents and uh, and um, commissioners and deputy commissioners and assistant commissioners that that's where they come from. That principal level, that's to me, that's the best way. You know, ever so often you might need to go outside the box. If uh, an entity is struggling and it just needs a new voice, a new approach, but in principle, um, when it, when it comes to uh, uh, education, it's best um, to have on uh, the leadership um, being local and having worked its way um, through the ranks, um, because we got very unique um, terrain here. Uh, in the Virgin Islands, in terms of you know half the population living on St. Croix, another half living on St. Thomas and St. John, and uh, you know it's just it's a cultural dynamic that's just different from the mainland, you know. And I remember when we had the the lens Panado um, matter when she was nominated back in two thousand seven. And, uh, you know, she had worked her way. You know, she, she had mastered the art of getting herself into contracts and getting herself out of them. Um, she was a career um, educator, but, you know, she had been in St. Louis. We actually had a, a, a lady come from St. Louis to testify against her. It was that bad. And she had been in Denver, got out of a contract there, been in Pittsburgh, the same thing, you know. So, but, you know, ever so often, you know, I, I can't understand uh needing um for someone outside the box but for the most part um our our leaders our educational leaders uh they're gonna come from uh, they're gonna come from um our teacher ranks right now and principals no check so we uh we're glad to hear that they're having that uh that, that assessment meeting and um and to hear the assistant commissioner uh say that uh, we need them to lead because uh, we do, you know, you know, your fans are what's about it. I, I mentioned earlier that um, um, in the second hour we're going to be joined by uh, the election system. Um, Ms. Fox going to join us as well as a uh, um, board member, um, Rima Williams. Like I think going to be celebrating their 60th anniversary, Act 936. That was adopted back on... February 20th, 1963. And you know, when you look at, you know, where we at now, um, where our act numbers are in the 8,000s, 
And 60 years ago, um, we were at 936. Um, that's just some awesome context <clears throat> um, when you look at it. Um, the election system of the Virgin Islands was enacted on February 20th, 1963. I remember having conversations with Vern Hodge um, um, about that. Remember back then, we didn't um, vote for our governor, no. Our governor was appointed then. You check? Uh, we didn't start voting for our governor until 1970. Uh, we were voting for members of the legislature. Um, but we weren't voting for um, for governor. And uh, uh, the revised organic act of 54 had given us uh, 11 senators and then um, that was modified um, with a population increase. That number went up to 15 uh, within a matter of 12 to 14 years. So I had a I had a chart here um, with how they had uh, broken down how many large centers we had and all that stuff. And uh, I, I was fighting, but uh, it was interesting. I think it was four, um, originally it was two, two, one, and six at large, which is of course, you know, something Rocky Lake and Rocky Lake, a lot of a large uh, senators. And then um, ultimately they changed it. And I remember at one point it was uh, seven, six, and two. Seven in St. Thomas, uh, St. John, uh, seven in St. Yeah, seven in St. Thomas, St. John, six and St. Croix, and two at large. And then it was because of the, the 1970 uh, census, right? When the 70 census results came out in 71, that's what led us to the current composition of seven on St. Thomas, St. Thomas, St. John District, seven for St. Croix, and one at large, one conditional at large with the condition being that person must live on St. John. And of course we had the, the lawsuit, I believe it was like at 79, 1980 lawsuit, where um, Jessica Tutain Molina and Miranda them had filed a suit. Uh, claiming that based on population, um, St. Croix should have more uh, representation. Um, that may have been 80. Either 80 not, no, 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 it was, it was, no, no, I think that was a late um, 76, 78 uh, lawsuit. But um, there was a time where um, our population here on St. Croix um, was higher than that on St. Thomas. And they had uh, filed a lawsuit against the government. And that actually reached the, um, the Third Circuit. And um, I'm looking that up right now. Yeah, let me see. Um, yeah, I don't find that information there. Um, yeah, but she filed a lawsuit and uh, that got to the Third Circuit. And um, we're going to pull that up. Um, 
Rocky Leibold joining me um, from seeing John because it was an issue we forgot to talk about yesterday. Good morning, Mr. Ranking Member. How are you? Yeah, good morning, Mr. President, and good morning to the listening audience. Good. Um, How are you today? Every, sun is bright and yeah, sun rolling, man. Yeah. <laughs> a, 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 lovely, a lovely over there, St. John? Yeah, man. Lovely St. John, St. Thomas. I don't know about St. Croix, but, you know, I guess you guys are the same way, too. No, well, I, hey, you had a power outage already this yeah. morning, man. <laughs> <laughs> Rocky, Rocky, if it did, if, if, yo, yo, if it did one thing, is the next person. Seriously, you telling me? If it, <laughs> it, it did one thing, is yeah. the next. Yeah, um, I was, yeah, ta- I was talking. You know, um, um, you were an educator, right? And uh, I was talking with Assistant Commissioner for Education, and he said that they're having meetings with principals this morning. Uh, some, some, yeah, yeah. So that, that's a good thing, right? That leadership. No, that's a very good thing. Yeah, you, you got to remember that the principal are basically the instructional leader. Yeah, and and they're the ones who set the trend, um, the means means of instruction for for the entire school, and and they're supposed to be the ones that helps the teachers when they. They fall short in imparting the information to the to the students. So that's a, that's a very good thing because you'll see the strengths and weaknesses. And you know what that does also? When they meet with the teachers, they'll find those that are stronger in one area that can help others who are not so strong in that area. That kind of thing, you know. Not o- not not only that. Like I, I was saying that. Um, that's where your next, when you meet your principals, that's where your next department heads coming from. I mean, uh, department heads and, and um, department leadership. Um, Definitely. With superintendents Definitely. and all that stuff. Remember now, education got a lot of levels of leadership, you know. You got... Yeah, you got... Sometimes too much. You got commissioner. You got assistant commissioner. You got deputy commissioners. Then you got superintendents. And then you got deputy superintendents, right? Yeah. Then you got department yeah, heads. I know, I know. You got department heads. You got principals. You know what I'm saying? That's a lot of leaders. It's the biggest department. Yeah. And understandably so, but... It is. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's important that that there be a high level of communication between the main office and 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 the schools. And remember, like we we, we apply the same principles, right? We say all politics is local, all education is local. <laughs> you check what I'm saying? Because because yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the project that they announced over there, the development project for uh, home ownership in St. John. Yeah, in Gaffield. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to take a break. We got Rocky Labor giving us an update uh, based on uh, some news that we read on the source. Uh, we'll be back right after this here on Analyze This Beautiful Day in Paradise. People go to great lengths to shed the stress of daily life. There's acupuncture, deep tissue massage, meditation, yoga. At All Things Considered, we offer our own type of healing, invigorating news stories that span the rainbow of human experience. Nourish your mind and escape from the ordinary. Weekdays on All Things Considered from NPR News. From 5 to 8 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1.
On Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, we are not afraid to stand up to the high and mighty like Jeff Bezos. He had that big it cowboy hat on. <laughs> he looked like, like a shrink ray had hit Garth Brooks. <laughs> I'm Peter Sagel. Join me as we speak truth to power, at least until power agrees to buy us out, on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Saturdays at 1 p.m. and Sundays at 2 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. A new year equals new business opportunities at Bank of St. Croix. Bank of St. Croix offers deposit banking products, business online platforms, and commercial loans. Their SBA lending department offers financing options and access to capital for businesses. Bank of St. Croix has two locations, one in Gallus Bay, 340-773-8500, and one in Peters Rest, 340-713-8500. Bank of St. Croix is an equal housing lender. Bankofstcroix.com. All of us want to know what's going on, but only some of us want to know the why. That's where we come in. 1A is a place for the curious, daily conversations for those looking to make sense of our world. I'm Jen White. I hope you'll join me next time for 1A. Catch 1A at its new time, weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1. And we're back here and analyze this and we're discussing discussing an initiative uh, to address as a, a situation of importance over there and uh, the, the, the littlest but the loveliest um, that is um, the island of St. John, a.k.a. Love City. And we got the voice, a, a voice um, from uh, Love City, a, a native St. John and Rocky Labor joining us morning. So Rocky, um, first of yeah. all, for those of us who don't live on St. John, give us a little background in terms of the hardships that exist have existed over the year where home ownership is concerned on St. John. Because of the, the park service taking up a significant um, um, portion of available land on Love City. Yes. Well, let me just begin. I'm glad you mentioned that. Because, first of all, you got to understand that... Uh, St. John has a finite amount of property that's available to local residents, which means that it's basically less than, but, but a, a quarter of the I will put it away. Uh, the rest of it is National Park, about 75% of it. And, 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 and the reason why you say a quarter, even though National Park takes up about 60%, which means you got another 15%. So the other 15%, you just can't build homes there. It's not habitable. Right, but it's... Yeah. But let me explain you something. But St. John is the only place where if you go and look at the different houses where they are built, sometimes you wonder if they could build a house there. You know, mm. we have houses where when you look over, you look straight and see. I mean, that's how, that's how the houses are built. Just every little opportunity or little mass of land that's buildable these guys find a way to build on it because there's really just a limited amount of property. And when there's, when there's that limited amount of property, you know what happens then? The price goes up. So what, what, what St. John experiences most of the time is property prices, number one, mm -hmm. living costs, number two, 
property shortage, number three, and stagnant wages. Those are some of the things that, uh, that create the problem that we have on the island, is that um, we don't have any property to build. It's very limited. And if we do have any, it's expensive because, you know, it's like a supply and demand. That's, that's, that's what it is. So, and, you know, not even just property to build, rental. To rent a place on the island is much more expensive than most places. Why? Because you're fighting against an outside market. Mm-hmm. There are people who, if you have your place to rent and it's open up in the market there, you might say you want to rent for $1,000 or $500, but there's going to be a whole lot of people calling you, listen, man, I could give you 3000 I could give you $4,000. And, you know, some people, let's be honest, people trying to make a living and the cost of living in Amsterdam is real high. So a lot of times people opt for their higher amount. What that means, that the average person can't get a place. They cannot afford it. Um, it, I, I see it happening in St. Croix. In St. Croix, when Hovensa and all those places are in, everybody take up their places and they go for their bigger buck and the average person got trouble renting up space. It's the same thing over in St. It's just that it's even more grave because they, they're much more limited amounts of space. And so that's one of the major things that is happening there. Now, I, I want to bring up to date on what happened a couple of years ago. A young man, you know, you know he happened to be a cousin of mine. He, he thought about this concept about trailers, being able to set up some trailer. is the same concept that's going to groundbreak today mm-hmm. that uh, in Giff Hill. He had this idea of being able to try to see how we could bridge the gap for the average Sanjonian to have a place to live, at least a place to say, to call a home. Everybody wants a, a place to be a resident. They want to be able to say, you know what, I live here. This is my place. I can go. And so he, they wanted to create that concept by using trailers, which are basically steel frame buildings. like, And they were built in a way so that you have a bathroom. Um, you don't necessarily have a home kitchen. You 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 have like a hot place, something like that, and you your bedroom, and it's almost like a dormitory setup. That where you know when you go to college, you you have this kind of dormitory um, setup that you used to use long ago, um, and to some degree now, that allows you the, your privacy of your sleeping area, but you don't have a full kitchen or a, a full unit for yourself. No, no, stop you there, Rocky. Because, stop there, Rocky, because I'm, I'm glad you went there. Because in the article that we looked at on the St. Thomas source, you could actually see the design. They got everything. This is, yeah. this is a very comprehensive article for those. So if you want to go to, to see what Rocky is talking about, uh, go to the St. Thomas source. You're going to see St. John Co-Housing Project Breaks Ground. And... Um, uh, it's by uh, Amy H. Roberts. Um, she wrote the story, and the groundbreaking ceremony is taking place today, Tuesday right. at 10 a.m. And this article I saw it yesterday uh, in on the St. Thomas Church, but I forgot to bring it up. And and he, yeah. he mentioned right, Mr. Goldschneider. That's his name, right? Art. Uh, yes. Ari Ari Goldschneider. I, I don't know the guy. I yeah, don't know yeah, him. Yeah, but, yeah. Ari but, Goldschneider, and he said, and I, I know, and, and he said something that I know you're gonna like because you you dealt with this 
uh, back in uh, 1995 after Marilyn in 96. He said, yeah. I am a zoning code nerd. What's yeah. interesting oh, yeah. about the VI code <laughs> is that you can have two single-family dwellings on R2 property, but there's room for interpretation for what a family is. You can have only one right. kitchen in a dwelling, but how many bedrooms you have is not specified. I remember one of the things that you and Brent Bladen them were talking back back in uh, talking about back in the nineties was the need for a up to date or updated zoning code, code because of what had happened with Marilyn, right? Exactly. As a uh, matter of fact, yeah, just to add to that, Neville, um, Marilyn was really the game changer mm-hmm. for building codes in the territory because. Maryland, we changed the code to upgrade it to like Dade County in, in Florida. That was part of, at that time, that was one of the toughest codes that, that was um, used. And, they, and they, actually, they actually had to update theirs because Andrew, right. and, 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 Andrew, yeah. Andrew slammed into Dade County in 1992, right. and then Maryland exactly. hit us three years later. Right. In 95. And, and so we, yes, yeah, so we updated. As a matter of fact, the code has been updated at least twice in that time, mm-hmm. or once since that time. And that's what we up to the that is two hundred plus miles per hour. So what I'm saying is that the this concept that is used here, it allows you for and Senyan was one of the reasons that I believe the R two came about. You know why? Because I remember doing a rezoning for a lady and this it almost came into what you call substandard. You know what they you know, we just couldn't get the exact amount of, of the, the the acreage, you know, to fit normally a quad acre. So it was like a little bit lower. But they had two families that deal with the property. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to provide them a piece of the rock. And so we had to do a kind of rezoning. R2 comes in. R2 allows you to have two, either two floors or two residents on the property, which only has a kitchen each. You can have three and four kitchens. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And so that's what really happened. And so what this gentleman is doing here is basically trying to address it now. Don't get me wrong, you know, it's it's a concept that everybody wants to live that way. It's not like, you know, probably in St. Croix, everybody could almost get a quarter land for their home to have a garden and things like that. You can't do that here. No, that, 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 that. Finite, that, that finite, that term you use, that finite yeah, amount of land there. That, that finite property. Yeah, yeah that, 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 Not that, only that, that, the terrain erupted never. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I look in. I, I, yeah, because yeah. I look I look in from the shot here where you're looking down, and I said, but well, wait a minute, the location for this thing, yeah, they had to walk <laughs> to get to it. You know what Yeah. 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 Now let me no 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 you mentioned you mentioned and, and I'm glad you mentioned because it's referenced in the article, you mentioned two hundred miles an hour. One of the paragraphs says the buildings are designed to withstand winds of a hundred and ninety miles per order per hour yeah, accor- that's a, according that's to the code. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. But this is a real innovative yes, thing he's doing here though, using these trailers. It is. It is. It is. It is. It's a concept that that's taking listen. I don't know, you, you and I, we talk about this on the radio, and every time I, I bring it up, people look at it kind of different, but I believe, Neville, that we have to use the expertise available to try to create a concept, a design that fits our territory, because we are hit by hurricanes left and right. 
But you can't build for a hurricane. There is no man could determine what kind of hurricane coming. But we have seen so many. We have seen them with 150, 200, 250 plus. So, and, and we see the kind of building that was able to sustain those type of uh, weather. So we need to look at the concept that they use, kind of incorporated in a structure that kind of meets both of them and, and provide opportunity for people to own something. Well, let me read. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me read these two paragraphs then, right? He said um, he's been coming here since 2011, right? Yeah. And then uh, uh, I want to make sure I, I, I give the right kind of background here. Okay. Ari Goldschneider, a Boston-based developer, he spent time on St. John since 2011 and now owns a home in Chocolate Hole, right? And has been working with designer Barry Bunker to refine plans for affordable-ish housing, right? Yeah. The, the yeah. project yeah. is meant to provide housing for teachers, nurses, hospitality workers, and others who find it hard to find a place to live on St. John. And he worked with uh, Ms. Leah Laplace, um, um, from DPNR, that's my, that's my niece, that's my, that's my yeah, brother. Excellent lady, yeah, excellent yeah, yeah, that's my brother, that's my brother, niece, but that's my niece. You know what I mean? I'm no, a brother. she's, I'm a, a, niece. she's yeah. a, a good yeah. person, yeah. very good person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, my, that's my brother by far. That's, that's his niece, but that's my niece. You know what I mean? That's how he is. So check him yeah. saying, you know, you know, all that nonsense. Anyway, that's my niece. So he said, right, when he returned, remember, I read to you about him being a zoning code nerd. He said, he said, when he returned for his first visit to St. John after Hurricane Irma struck in 2017, he found the housing shortage had become even more critical than it was before oh, yeah. the storm. In addition to damage and loss of housing stock, many property owners were converting their long-term rental units into short-term units for vacationers. Now, here's the here's the technical thing that we're so going to talk about. you understand what I'm saying there, yeah, right? yeah, of course. You hit the nail on the head. But, but we're going to get even more technical now. Check this out. You see? Meanwhile, construction costs on St. John have continued to soar. Not rise or no. Soar. Right. Goldschneider said it was hard to build with concrete block or stone for less than $700 per square foot. He's hoping his project will end up costing between $300 and $350 per square foot for an overall cost of $1.3 million per building. But never, that figure does well, not factor in the price of the land. Could you imagine, Rocky, $700 a square foot? Oh, gosh, they, they want to kill people. Look, we got slang here in the Virgin Islands in the, in the Caribbean. Advantage never done. Oh, gosh, Rocky, $700 a square foot. Never, you remember when the honorable was on the radio, and I mentioned about we got to try to get it down to 300, 350, yes. 70, 400. You remember that? Discussion? Yes, yes. This is the same thing I'm talking about. This guy is talking the same thing. He, he understands, he, he sees what's happening. You know, and we have taken, you know what happened to St. John with that price? There's some, there are people who are, are pretty wealthy, and if you are a good carpenter or mason, they hire you. And you tell them, well, look, I want $50 an hour. The people will say, all right, no problem. And somehow the other, the wage, the, the wage board is, is not, they're using that as a base to go with, which is far, it's totally out of whack. Mm -hmm. Because 
They, no, it's totally out of whack. Mm-hmm. So they, that's why you have these wage boards. They're supposed to be able to look at it because no place says the pay is that kind of money. And when you use that as, as, a, as a base, then every other island gets in trouble. And not only that, the, the folks who are not that wealthy suffers. And, and I'm saying that we, we got to look at it because you can bear that and the government have to step in now to try to regulate some of that. Because other than that, you put the people off and work. Of course, people will say, oh, you can't, you can't measure, you can't cut people's um, what they want to do. Sure, you could still do it. But you got to regulate it so that everybody else have a, at least a fair share. Well, the word, you, the, you word, the, the, so that, the, the word that we're, I mean, the, the word that we're seeking here is everything got to be reasonable within cost. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, exactly. Rocky, $700 a square foot. Listen. For that's, rental, that's, for rental unit. Oh gosh, that, that that's a, a part of life we live with. Mm-mm. Just just you read know, it. Just read, just, just reading it. The the you a pain in the side. Seven hundred dollars yeah. a square foot. Um, so so what gonna happen, Rocky, to our Virgin Island students who educated on the mainland and coming home and want to buy homes or, or live in the Virgin Islands? They they gonna be able to afford where they grow up? There's something fundamentally no. wrong with that, Rocky man. Yeah, not only that. We don't have the economic, you know. We the economy, the, the, the economy of skills. You're right. We don't. We don't. Yeah. It, it just, it's just rough, so, man. Wow. So, hold on, Rocky. Hold on, Rocky. Rocky. We need that break now so that we could, we could calm down and press after, <laughs> after having to read this and process this. We're gonna take a break. We're gonna talk about this a little bit more and a couple other things before I let Rocky go because the election system will be coming on around nine twenty. So we'll take a break. We'll be back. Uh, we're talking about home ownership opportunities over there on St. John given the finite amount of land we're dealing with. We'll be back right after this. The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Listening to the wings of a monarch butterfly, what a magical thought. They arrive here on the Day of the Dead, which we celebrate here in Mexico and A lot of the indigenous people believe that it's the souls of their ancestors that are returning. And it's very spiritual. That's On Point with me, Meghna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1. I'm Deepa Fernandez from Public Radio's Midday News Magazine, Here and Now. We'll bring you all the news that happens between the morning headlines and the afternoon wrap-up plus conversations with authors and artists. Stories that affect you, maybe a story about you. So please join us for Public Radio's midday news magazine, Here and Now. Weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 p.m. right here on WTJX-FM 93.1. 